welcome to the New Mama podcast. I'm Lauren, a new mama to little Logan, and I'm here to share women's stories of pregnancy, birth, and motherhood. Spoiler alert, it's not going to be all sunshine and rainbows. We're talking about the ups and downs of motherhood through raw, vulnerable, no BS conversations, because in reality, you can't have a rainbow without a little rain. This podcast is here to be your friend, the friend I'd wish I'd had in my darkest times to remind me that I was not alone. And it's okay to not be okay. We're in this together and mama, you got this. Hi everyone and welcome to today's episode of the new mama podcast. Today's episode, I'm joined by Maddie Wilson. Maddie is an exercise physio as well as mama to little seven-month-old Zali. Maddie lives in Sydney with her husband, Adam, has a pug called Lily, and is a retired national gymnast. Welcome, Maddie. Hi, how are you going? Good. How are you? I'm doing really well, thanks. During this Sydney summer weather. (laughs) Yeah, it's beautiful. We've had such good weather recently. It's amazing. It helps with the lockdown, doesn't it? Yes. <laughs> to be able to get out of the house for sure. Yeah. But we don't want to, we don't want to talk about lockdown. We're going to keep it positive. We're going to talk <laughs> about your birth experience. <laughs> Let's get started. So how was your journey to falling pregnant with Zali? Um, it was, it was reasonably straightforward. I fell pregnant about six months after coming off the pill. I was on for a very long time, 10 plus years. So initially when it was taking, you know, three or four months, I was like, oh, what's going on here? But yeah, six months is, I know that's pretty good. So, you know, all's well. (laughs) Yeah. When I was looking into it, one study found that 72 to 94% of women become pregnant after one year of being off the pill. So six months is pretty good. Yeah. When I was looking into it back then, because I kind of very much just overthink a lot, lots of things. So, you know, when (laughs) I'm very much an overthinker, when I was looking at it and they, you know, said, oh, you, your cycle, it takes, you know, can take up to two years to get back to some sort of regularity and all these sorts of things after you come off the pill. I was like, oh my gosh, what have I done? (laughs) Oh (laughs) yeah. But six months is great. I guess it's, it's such a shame, isn't it? That the pill is a form of contraception that's really popular, but yet as a female, it interferes with our body's natural makeup and means that it messes with our menstrual cycle and our ability to get pregnant and all that kind of thing. But I guess limited options out there. Significantly. Yeah, there, yeah, there is. And it's, you know, you kind of just stick to what you've been put on, right? Yeah. So you kind of just go, yeah. oh, your doctor puts you on it. I was put on it 15 and you just don't question it at, the, at that age. How have you felt since coming off it? Um, I felt a lot better mentally coming off it. Yeah. Um, I think there was about two years before I came off. I really wanted to come off it, not for pregnancy reasons, just, mm. just, I wanted my body to have a break. And I had a lot of anxiety and those sorts of things. Um, you know, I definitely found myself kind of always going back to the pill and going, okay, I really need to come off this. Mm. Um, so yeah, but it took me two years to come off it, but yeah. Yeah, I ha- I was on it when I was younger because I think, I mean, it sounds like it's similar to, to what happened with you. But when I went to my GP, uh, you know, as a teenager, mm-hmm. it's the first thing that they do say is the pill. And I think there were some things around acne and it helping with that kind of stuff. And I went on it, but I had to come off it quite quickly. I was on microgynin and I remember I felt so anxious and just really irritable and it really affected my mood. Yeah. Yeah. It's a common experience. Definitely. I've, um, when I was researching it all. <laughs> You're an expert now. <laughs> uh, yeah. There was, uh, 
pill is just related to a lot of things and you know there's a a lot of things that you can do to prevent pregnancy as well that doesn't mm. require taking a pill at the same time every day yeah. there's there's a lot of other things yeah. that you can do so I wish I had those discussions and that education when I was younger that's for sure yeah but we're young and we're naive and yeah we just that's it do what the doctors tell us you're like I don't want to get pregnant 15 <laughs> <laughs> I was like that would be my worst nightmare so no thanks <laughs> well you did fall pregnant did. after six months of trying yes. so that was awesome how was your pregnancy was relatively um good the first trimester not so much um I wasn't unwell I feel like people probably would have gone straight to that that you kind of you kind of feel nauseous and all those sorts of things but I didn't I was fine in that in that regard um I actually had like a lot of spotting so bleeding um so initially I didn't actually think I was pregnant I thought you know it was the startings of my of my period but yeah so I bled on and off for the first trimester um, and that was super scary. Mm. My, uh, yeah, anxiety was through the roof with with, oh. with that. <laughs> yeah. So because you just assumed that it was your period starting, when did it actually clock that, oh, I might be pregnant? Well, I was, uh, I guess, like with my normal periods and after coming off the pill, I was having kind of quite long cycles and and was spotting before I was getting my actual period and all those sorts of things. And that was just what was happening. So um, I would spot, I don't know, for three days before I'd get my period usually. Whereas this time I was spotting mm. for like, I was spotting for like five days and it was kind of going up and down in uh, how much I was getting. Um, and it seemed to be like, you know, not getting heavier, which it would normally do that. And then you'd mm. obviously get your period. But so I, I just was like, oh, I'm just going to take a test. Like, I don't know, like it's, I don't think it is. I was very certain that I was like, I'm just going to test and it's going to come back negative. But yeah, I got that second line. And because it was COVID and lockdown, my husband Mm. was working from home and I just kind of walked out of the bathroom. (laughs) He didn't even know I was taking it. I just didn't think it was going to be positive. And I just walked out in front of him and showed him the test. And I was just like shaking. I was like, whoa. (laughs) (laughs) What was his reaction? Oh, he was in shock. He was um, trying to record like a video or something for his class because he's a teacher. And (laughs) I'm glad he wasn't actually like, you know, in a meeting or something like he was just recording <laughs> on zoom yeah so <laughs> I was excited but I think with the the fact that I was bleeding I didn't really know what that meant so I didn't know whether this was a real deal was it happening mm. or you know that sort of thing so and that was I was like that for the whole first trimester <laughs> I presume you went to your GP and kind of were asking questions about what was going on did you get any answers I didn't. I didn't really get any answers. My my GP was great. Did all the blood tests and all those sorts of things. She goes, yeah, yeah, you're you're pregnant. She goes, sometimes you know, spotting is normal, and it was normal for me. Um, so uh, now that I'm past all of that, it makes me feel a bit better about it because I know that that's something that's normal. However, at the time, it didn't feel like that. It felt, you know, felt like every time that I would start spotting again, I would start bleeding again in that those first twelve weeks. I thought I was losing the baby every time. So it was um, very scary, <laughs> a very scary first trimester. Yeah, that's that's really tough. You must have been walking on eggshells. Yeah, like, I don't know, it was, it was strange. You, it was one of those things where, you know, I, I, I told my closest friends and my family that what was happening. So I was trying not to, like, I was trying to be excited, but I was also very wary of, 
this may not happen. So it was one of those things that you're getting really excited about being pregnant and being able to tell people and but then there's this other side of it. And like I would stop spotting for, I don't know, four or five days and I'd be like, yes, I'm over it. It's, it's not going to happen again. And it would come back and it would just be, yeah, it was not fun. <laughs> no, I can imagine. And then so what, when you reached the second trimester, it just went away completely? Yeah, it just it just stopped. Um, yeah, I don't think I had bleeding after 12 weeks. I progressed nicely. Uh, Well, I progressed nicely the whole time. It was just, I was just bleeding. God, it's interesting how different everyone is, isn't it? And what is considered normal. There's such a range of things that are considered normal. And when you're looking for answers, you're on Google and you're going to your GP and you're speaking to various people, but what might happen for you might not for the next person. So I think that's when you have to just try not compare and just focus on your journey. Definitely. Then how was second and third trimester? Pretty good. Uh, I think the the second trimester was great mm-hmm. felt really good I think everybody says that <laughs> um and then the the third trimester you know I started getting a bit of pelvic girdle pain and lightning crutch <laughs> that was the worst thing ever oh isn't that the worst I would be like with clients at, at work and I would just get that you know shooting pain down the front of your pelvis and you just I just like buckle over you just can't do anything about it you don't you don't know when it's coming and everyone would look at me and because I was huge big belly out the front they're like oh well you're okay yeah <laughs> you're like I'm fine I'm fine yeah yeah I remember the first time I got it I was in the third trimester and it was nearing the due date and I remember Matt and I were walking the dog and all of a sudden I just got this lightning crotch and for those of you that don't know lightning crotch is when your your baby's head is causing pressure on your pelvis and just causes this sharp jolt of pain yeah um anyway we're walking <laughs> the dog and Matt just was like oh my god are you in labor do we have to go to the hospital blah, blah, blah. I'm like calm down it's gone it's just lightning crotch because by that point I'd read everything and yeah. I knew kind of what everything was or what I could expect um, so I don't know, I'm like, it's fine. It's just lightning crotch and the poor guy almost had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. I found that that was probably the hot, like at the end there, I felt like I was getting it constantly that it hurt. It hurt. Yeah. Oh. But other than that, I was, you know, it was a pretty smooth sailing with regards to everything else. Yeah. Yeah. So smooth sailing pregnancy and then Zali's birth. Did you want to talk us through, um, your birth experience? Um, so Zali, uh, we, we didn't know we were having a girl. <laughs> it, so we found out at the birth um, that she was a girl. My waters broke at about eight or nine o'clock at night, mm-hmm. just after I went to the bathroom. And so I was lucky um, that I was in the bathroom when my waters broke because, yeah, it gushed. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I didn't have that cinematic experience, sadly. Yeah, it was. I didn't expect to have my waters break because you know they kind of say that that's actually not that common even though it's in all the movies and things like that but my mum's waters broke with both me and my brother and and it was very similar you know lots of water you know that sort of thing so that happened to me as well so it's interesting did they say it's hereditary like is it passed on I have no idea but yeah I I just didn't expect to that to happen and it did so I, I, we called the hospital and I wasn't contracting yet. So they just said, oh, you know, just make your way in. We'll just check the waters and just make sure it is the waters. And I was like, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know what else this would be. Surely it's not not like, surely I didn't weigh myself. 
Um, so yeah, they they checked her and they, they checked that it was the amniotic fluid and it was. So, um, they said, you know, you, you, you're in quite early labor. So go home and take some paracetamol and go to bed and try and sleep and come back in the morning. Cause there's like, I think there's a 24 hour period then. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 24 hours where once your waters break, they kind of start timing and they go, okay, like baby needs to be out within this amount of time, just cause there's more risk of infection. I didn't really sleep. They were starting to kind of come on quite regularly. The contractions, mm-hmm. they were very um, mm-hmm. doable. Kind of felt like period pain, a little bit tighter around the tummy, but I think period pain for early labor for sure. And then went into the hospital the next morning. Um, my obstetrician broke the second uh, sack of waters. So there's there's two sacks apparently. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, two. When they were like, we're going to break the second sack, were you like, no, I'm only having one and like, you're having twins? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, no. Um, <laughs> I, I was just surprised that it was just so much water. And it, again, gushed. Wow. Like it was the weirdest sensation. But That is so crazy because when I went in with Logan, she said, have your water's broken yet? And I said, no. And they said, oh, we'll break them for you. So they had that tool instrument thing that they use to break your water. Mm-hmm. So Matt and I were sitting there just expecting, like similar to what you had, this big gush of water. <laughs> Literally nothing happened. <laughs> His head was so far down that it was like a plug. And it's like, yeah, it just, <laughs> exactly. So nothing happened. And I was like, oh, well, that was rubbish. So I can't imagine what two big gushes would have been like. Yeah, and it was the one thing that made me the most uncomfortable throughout the whole labor. Mm. So that they put me on Sintocin because again, it was that time frame, that time limit. They wanted to speed up the labor so that Zali would be born. Once they put the drip in and they, they broke broke the the waters, I was in active labor very quickly. It got very intense very quickly, mm. and I was sitting on um, the bouncing the bouncy balls that they give you, and the water, I'm just, I keep going back to it, but it was just running down my legs, pouring out of me. He had to keep changing like the, the bluey, the blue mats, uh, like the pads underneath me. Cause it was just soaking through. I was so uncomfortable cause I was just wet. That just made the contractions for me feel worse. Cause every time I contracted more water would come out yeah. and I would just yeah. be like looking at the midwife going, is this normal? <laughs> Why is this so much water? <laughs> Gosh, I just cannot. Where does it come from? This is what blows my <sighs> mind with the female body. Where does it come from? <laughs> I'm like, surely that wasn't all in there. Like I had a very, like I had like a bowling ball at the front. So I was in active labor and I was bouncing on the ball and my obstetrician, you know, checked Zali's position and she was, she had turned. So she was anterior facing at my last um, appointment And then she turned posterior. Mm. So she was like to me, okay, like pain relief, do you want? And all this sorts of stuff. And I was like, I don't want pain relief. (laughs) I really wanted to just see. I wasn't against having medications or, you know, the epidural or anything like that. It was more just, I just wanted to see, see how far I could go. And if I could, if I needed it, I would take it. So because she turned, you know, they, they say that posterior births are more painful. I felt mm-hmm. the contractions right around from the, from my stomach, right around to my back. The, the pressure in the back was, was pretty intense and I wasn't really getting a break. So I was contract for 45 seconds. And then you, I would have like tense yeah. break and then it would go again. They, they were really, really intense. And I progressed really quickly. I think I, I got to the hospital and I was only like two centimeters. And then 
they did the Sintosin and they they broke my waters. And I think within, I think it was like they checked me after like an hour or something and I was already at seven centimetres. Gosh. Um, and I actually found that all of the, the classes and, you know, things that you, that you learn around, you know, coping with the pain in birth is be on all fours, you know, lean forward, sway and open your hips up and, you know, all these sorts of things. And I could not lean forwards. I had Adam sitting behind me. We were back to back. Um, I was on one side of the bed and he was on the other side of the bed and I just needed something to push on. So I would literally just be pushing my back up against him and just like have resting my head on his shoulder as, as I was contracting and I'd be pushing off the floor. And I <laughs> This is when it's beneficial for you to be a physio because you know, <laughs> you know all the positions, you can really tell him what you need. Oh, I was like... I needed to be back. Mm. Like that was what really kind of helped me cope. But in the end, um, it was just too much. I uh, ended up asking for an epidural. That happened all relatively quickly. I think that was within half an hour to 45 minutes. But I remember yelling at the anaesthetist because I was contracting so often and no breaks. I was like, do not put the needle in my back while I'm contracting. (laughs) I was like, please do not do that. Like it was one of... I, I do have a bit of a fear of yeah. needles. I really didn't want to have an epidural because I don't like needles. Yeah. But there's a risk, isn't there, associated with if you have a contraction and they're when they're putting the needle in, it is risky, isn't well, it? Well, it's, it's they're putting a needle in your spine. It's it's risky. The way that it, well, the epidural worked, it was amazing. Mm. You know, within five minutes, I could feel the contractions, but it wasn't painful. Um, and I could actually talk. I remember the anaesthetist coming back in. He goes, oh, you can talk to me now. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but unfortunately that's kind of where it all kind of where it all ended because Zali's heart rate basically plummeted um, and this was within like 10 minutes or 15 minutes of having the epidural as a result of the epidural oh well I'm not sure that they they said no I guess we did find out once she was born that her board was tightly wrapped around her Mm. foot so every time I contracted Obviously, that was occluding her blood flow and her heart rate was dropping because of that. Oh. Um, my obstetrician thought that that would have been the reason why. Oh, baba. But, yeah, it was really scary. So the the midwife pressed the emergency button. She was obviously very worried. And I had about 10-plus people run into the mm. room and it, that was in itself like, oh, my God, what's happening? They were trying to get onto my obstetrician and it was all just mayhem for about 30 seconds. Um, mm. And they kind of rolled me onto my side and they rolled me to my other side and they were just trying to get a heart rate up. And it eventually, like, it improved. Um, so it was starting to come up. Um, and my obstetrician was saying, you know, let, we'll just wait a second because um, I, I know that you don't want an instrumental birth. You don't want, yeah. um, you know, a cesarean. We want to try and do this as naturally as possible. But that wasn't the case. So mm. unfortunately, within as she said that, within 30 seconds of saying that, her heart rate dropped again and they basically just went, I'm sorry, you, we have to go up to theatre right now. And her heart rate wasn't recovering, so they were really nervous. Um, and you can kind of just mm. tell, like, the whole room just went very tense. I was just crying. It was a very um, scary, scary thing. Yeah. Well, to, to, it all seemed to happen so quickly. Yeah. Like, you must have been quite scared and not knowing what was happening you, you don't really know what's happening there's people making decisions around you and you know it's a bit chaotic you know they, they do tell you but like you're not really taking it in you kind of just like mm. and I just said to them just do do what you need to like get her out yeah. I went up to theater and she was born very very quickly because I had the epidural in they just needed to top that up 
um, to be able to to um, cut me. However, the top up was taking a while. So I was saying to my obstetrician, "Don't cut me. I can feel that." <laughs> so were they? Did they? Were they like? touching your stomach to see if you can still feel it yeah yeah so they have like a little instrument you're reacting to the to the sensation and the the anesthetist said to me if this doesn't work in the next like two minutes I'm putting you I'm Mm. putting you out basically so he's going to put me under eventually it worked which is good so I stopped reacting started cutting (laughs) which um which I could see because there was a big light above us and I could see the reflection oh gosh um but yeah I was I was watching some of it and I was like okay she's cutting me open (laughs) (laughs) it's a very weird sensation because it's a very um significant surgery um and you're awake it's a strange sensation isn't it seven seven layers of like muscle and skin and yeah seven layers so pretty it's crazy how they do it um but it's such a it's such a small cut it's just under the bikini line so you don't nobody sees it yeah so and she and she came out you know um adam kind of announced that she was a girl and i was very surprised i thought i was having a boy Amazing. And she is absolutely beautiful. <laughs> so how, how did you find becoming a new mum? How was motherhood the early days? Um, it, it, it's very overwhelming. I think, especially with COVID, because when I gave birth, um, there was a little bit of an outbreak. Um, so no visitors were allowed. So not being able to have my mum or like, you know, our fa- our very, very close family, I found that quite difficult. I know a lot of people said that it's, you know, it's a blessing, you know, you don't want visitors. And I didn't really care about friends. It was more just I wanted, you know, mm. my mom and my dad and, you know, um, meet her. So, you know, I was in hospital for five days because I had a cesarean um, and they couldn't meet her. Yeah. I think my, my mom really struggled. Yeah. Especially because my mom's a nurse. So, at my my plan mm-hmm. was actually for her to be at the birth and she wasn't allowed to be oh um so yeah oh that's a shame and that's it isn't it it's what you were expecting it didn't play out the way you were expecting because of COVID and I think that's when it is disappointing and it is really sad yeah it's really sad and you know like I think anybody that's got children or had a baby you know in this weird world that we live in right now mm. where you can't see people that you love and it makes everything a lot harder and I think I know that you, you you're fully aware your family are over you know in another country <laughs> don't have it as bad as you but it's it's oh no it's all relative though it's hard. It's tough. Exactly. It's tough. Yeah. And when you don't have the supports, you, you feel like you, you want that support. And sometimes you just, we couldn't get it because of COVID. Mm. So what did you struggle with then in the early days? Were there anything in particular? Yeah. Um. So she, we had a bit of, bit of trouble with breastfeeding um and that that initially we had some trouble with her latch and those sorts of things our breastfeeding journey was very up and down but initially I had milk very uh, I got milk on my on the third day and I was fully engorged mm. um but because she wasn't latching very well it was very difficult to for her to get, get any sort of milk so I had to you know um express yeah, it's funny that, isn't it? It's you, you get so much milk and they're so full that they can't latch on because of that. Yeah. She, I don't know, she had a lot of trouble just getting onto my boob 
like I was so engorged there was nothing to kind of get on to because it was just like this big balloon that like she would just slip off <laughs> and the the lactation consultant at the hospital did say to me her mouth may have like may have a bit of a high palate and your nipples aren't long enough for that and so I eventually was given a shield which kind of just elongated my nipple um, and just helped her lack um, and she was on that for about five or six weeks and eventually as she got bigger I was able to wean her off yeah the um the shield and we were able to breastfeed um without it after that yeah breastfeeding is not easy no. and anyone that says it is uh, honestly hats off to you because I found it really difficult as well yeah it's really difficult because it's both of you you know she doesn't know what she's doing they've got a sucking reflex but you know they may not you know do even sucks or you know there's, there's little parts of your nipple and yeah. their mouth that don't really work well or you know one one breast they like to latch onto and the other one they don't because of the way that it's like it's it's so interesting mm. I found it very difficult especially uh, following on from from all of that you know she she didn't put on a lot of weight like she initially she did like she did really well um and then after about six to eight weeks she really plateaued and wasn't really gaining heaps so I kind of obviously overthink <laughs> and do all of that sort of stuff and she was very fussy on the boob mm. like she would come off and mm-hmm. cry and yeah, wouldn't latch and she'd just scream at me look look at my boob and just scream even before I put her on I was like what <laughs> what's wrong oh so she's hungry but she can't work it out and then it would have been stressful for you and yeah it's yeah there's a lot of anxiety around breastfeeding I feel yeah when when it's it's not easy it's hard like we got into a rhythm with it but you know she was never amazing um with it like she was always a bit like oh, not that fast about it and I'll do it because I'm starving but I don't I don't want anything more than what I absolutely have to have and it was difficult I was asking you know health professionals and I saw a lactation consultant and you know because I really wanted to keep going and she just she was just really hard work um and eventually I started weaning her off and, and putting her on bottles which actually doing was actually quite good she would then breastfeed a bit better I don't know how that works, but I would put her on maybe one or two bottles and then she would start to feed off me at night um, much Mm. easier and we're not breastfeeding anymore. I I weaned her at about five, six months because it just got, it just gets too hard. And I don't want to sound like I'm giving up. Well, that's still an awesome effort. Yeah. You'd... You can't like I even myself now, like I still feel like I I gave up a little bit, but for my mental health, it it was it was important to to start giving her bottles. And because I was I was too worried about her health. Yeah. Even though she she was fine. I thought I I didn't have enough milk and she wasn't latching. And does she have reflux because she's screaming at me and all these sorts of things. And you just Google everything and you get like all these crazy things that could be happening to your baby that you're obsessed with. And you're just like, I just want to do the best. And, you know, if you Mm. feel like you're not doing that, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah. A hundred percent. And that's it because there's so much anxiety around it. Once they have a happy mum, then they're happy. Like it's amazing the correlation between your own happiness and your positive mental health and the baby. And I've seen it play out in so many different ways, even myself with Logan. 
Um, so I mm. totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, I think you, as a mum, you do need to put yourself first sometimes. And I know that's something that most of us don't do as parents, mm. um, as mothers. Um, and I do think that in some cases you really can't, you, you should be. It helps it helps the baby. It help, you know, it eventually, it will help them too. So it's, I've, I've learned those sorts of things after, you know, having her and yeah. you, you learn, I guess you learn along the way, but it's definitely something that I will hopefully take into the next one and not be as stressed about. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And was there anything else that you, you struggled with in the early days? Um, I guess the, the recovery from the C-section was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Right. Um, yeah, the pain and not being able to move very well and um, lifting her and, mm. And it was hot. It was just because she was born in January. And I just, it was just hot. And I was just uncomfortable. And, yeah. you know, it took, you know, six, seven weeks to feel, you know, feel like I could walk around the block relatively normally. So it was, yeah, that was a big wake up call for me. Yeah. Especially with, with my career as well. Obviously you learn about it all, but um, yeah, actually going through it, it makes you understand it a whole lot more. Yeah. <laughs> And did that help with the recovery, the fact that you were a physio and you knew kind of what to do to recover? Did you still go and see someone? Um, I didn't see anybody initially. Um, I did kind of assess myself. And I think I'm obviously lucky that I have the knowledge um, around postpartum and and what happens and and, and what to do for your body at certain time periods. Um, And because I had a cesarean, I didn't push her out. I didn't have a vaginal birth. I mean, I didn't go and see a women's health physio initially. I was very, you know, quite confident in in what I knew that I needed to do to start off with. But definitely because you've still carried a baby for for nine months, the pelvic floor and all those sorts of things are still going to be quite stretched and um, a bit weaker and all those sorts of things, even though you don't have a vaginal birth. So even if you, if you feel like there is heaviness and pressure and all those sorts of things in down through the vagina, or you've, you've got incontinence and those sorts of things, definitely go see a women's health physio, even if you didn't have a vaginal birth. Super important. Yeah. I didn't realize how common prolapse was. Yeah. Yeah. Very common. Mm. Not normal. Yeah. It's, it's not normal, but it's, it's very common. And you've got an Instagram page, don't you, for people that are pre or postnatal that they can follow for some physio hints and tips, don't you? Yeah, so I I do have one. It's I don't do it that often, um, and I do it through my work. But yeah, it's 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 a mixture of things. I see a lot of pre and postnatal, so I do post um, about that and just about other clients. We'll pop it in the show notes. Yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> so. What's been the best thing about becoming a new mum for you? Well, I think that there's a lot that is amazing in motherhood. I didn't really expect myself to be motherly sort of person. And I felt that straight away. I felt very connected to Zali. And I know a lot of people don't get that. So I felt really lucky. You know, this little person that you've created, you know, she's 50% me, 50% my husband. It, it's it's mind-blowing and I think the love that you have for your child doesn't compare to anything, yep. anything ever, and you would literally do anything for them. It's so funny, isn't it, because every single person I've asked this question, what's the best thing about becoming a new mum, 
everyone struggles to put it into words because there are not words for it. Like, there really isn't. I feel like it's so vast and it's so, it's just, it's a feeling that there is not a description yeah. for. Yeah, it's, it's, um, I didn't expect to feel like that. And I didn't, like, I knew that, you know, you know that you're going to love them. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting, isn't it? Because no matter how many difficult days you have, or no matter all the hard times, it's worth it because they're yours and you have them and they're safe and precious. And it's just the most up and down journey, isn't it? Yeah. And I think I can understand now other people mm. with their children, whereas before you don't understand it. Um, you know, you see on the news stories about, um, certain, you know, families and children, the child sick or, you know, whatever, it, something happens. And I'm just like bawling my eyes out because I'm, <laughs> I'm like putting myself in that person's shoes and yeah. you just like, I, yeah. And you're like, I couldn't imagine. So yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely made me a mushy person. <laughs> you know what? I'm exactly the same. I am not, like, I'm not really a crier. Like, I don't cry at movies, really. If there's a sad, <laughs> you know, plot line on a TV show, I'm just like, oh, that's a shame. But now, since having Logan, literally the smallest thing can set me off. Even a bloody advert on the TV that's something to do with, like, food or something random just, just will something set me random. off. Yeah, the emotions side of it is... Um... Yeah, definitely. It's well, it's definitely changed. Yeah, (laughs) that's for sure. (laughs) So any pregnant women or any brand new mums listening to the podcast, what's one piece of advice that you would give them? I'm sure they've heard it before. Definitely just go with your gut. Try not to overthink things and over research things because feel like as a mother, you have this you you know kind of what's happening. You know if there's something wrong and you you kind of know if there's not. Um, even though you're telling yourself that there has to be something wrong, you can't, you know, that there's not, and that that's happened with, that happened with me with, with her breastfeeding and with a few other things. And I want to give that advice to myself as well. Like next time, stop overthinking it. You're putting too much pressure on yourself to make this perfect. It's not perfect. Not what Google is telling you or what this lactation consultant or your mother or your <laughs> someone else, you know, that, that's telling you or, you know, they're giving you their experience. Yeah. And yeah, try go with your gut. I think that that's main, one of the main things. <laughs> yeah. As you said, so many people say to go with your gut and everyone says it because it's true. Deep down, I think you know what's right for your child. But what is interesting, I know you laughed when you said, your mother my mum I swear to god has been right about most things to do with Logan so I'm like oh this is happening I don't know what to do I'm really stressed out and mum's like ah oh, just do this and I'm like mum that's not gonna work I don't think so and then I'll do it and I'm like for f's sake my mum is right about everything it's just she is a super mum and I'm very blessed to have her oh that's so good I think you're right go with your gut I think your gut is your mother's intuition yeah do you think it's because you grew them for nine months and it's like they are part of you probably you feel like you get to know them you know they're in your tummy for nine months Mm. it's pretty amazing and then all of a sudden they're this separate thing to you I always found that quite strange uh, initially now it's normal but yeah definitely for the first couple of days and a week or so (laughs) you're just like oh where's my stomach you know where's my why am I not feeling kicks and 
you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's for sure. I was really relieved not to be pregnant. Like I, I did <laughs> kind of miss my bump, but then I was like, you know what? I was sick every day. I'm so glad I'm not pregnant anymore. But I remember looking at him in the first week or so going, how the hell did you fit in there? Like, I, know. I don't get it. Isn't it amazing? I don't get it. It's like, how? Well, you with Zali and then all the water that's surrounding yeah. her. So. I was like, a liters <laughs> of water coming out of me. I don't even know where that happened. <laughs> where, where was that? Oh, Maddie. <laughs> Look, it's been so lovely having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for opening yourself up to be vulnerable and sharing your story. It's been really nice hearing about Zali and how she made her way into the world, although it's not what you had initially planned. But there you go. Our baby's keeping us on our toes even before they're in the world. So <laughs> thank you, Maddie. And I will include your Instagram page in the show notes. Beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the New Mama podcast. Be sure to hit subscribe to hear future episodes or share with a friend. Otherwise, if you'd like to share your story, send me a DM via Instagram at New Mama Podcast. And remember, it's okay to not be okay. We're in this together and mama, you got this.